You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled Soul Wars, Part 4. Enjoy. Scriptures together. This is Ephesians 6, 10 through 12. Go ahead. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the authorities, the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. That's good. It's too fast for me. That's good. <laughs> oh, welcome back. How are you guys doing? Good. Yes. Let the Holy Spirit strengthen and encourage you and quicken you. Let him give you supernatural life each day. And that's, boy, that's just as simple as trusting in him for that, right? We can't live life in our own strength. You can try, but you're not going to be able to do it, right? It's interesting. We were talking about this with the guys at the, at the get-together on Saturday, and I think Alan brought it up, how, you know, in the, in the Old Testament, you look back, and so many times the Lord would speak to his people, and they say, yeah, we can do that, we can do that. But they couldn't do that. They couldn't do that. They missed the point. When God led his people out of bondage that they put themselves in, right. Right, he didn't give them the law. He just said, come and worship me. And they walked with him. And if they would have just listened to him and followed him, it would have taken about six weeks to get to the promised land. But they wouldn't listen. They thought they knew better. And they argued and, and doubted and complained. And what, what would have taken six weeks took about 40 years because they wouldn't listen. And it finally got to the point when they're at Mount Sinai and, and they just said, you know, we got this God. And, and they, they decided they weren't going to operate by his strength in their lives. And he, they really gave him no choice. He had to give them the law to make them realize, you can't live without me. Right, You can't live this life on planet earth without an, apart from an intimate relationship with me. God is so good. So we're, we're in, in a, a series right now called Soul Wars. And we're shedding light, shining the light on the reality of what's going on in the spirit realm around us. The reality is whether we realize it or not or whether we believe it or not, that there are spirits of darkness uh, all around us trying to keep us from experiencing the light. And God encourages us to be strong yes. in him and to put on every piece of armor that he's provided. Can you put verse 11 up there, the beginning of verse 11a of Ephesians? Put on the whole armor of God. And we know now, because we've learned this, what that armor is. What is that armor? Psalm 91. Put that up there. Psalm 91, verse 4. That God's faithful promises are his armor, are our armor and our protection. So it's the promises of God, the faithful promises of God, that are our armor, our our armor and protection. So his faithful promises, faith in God's promises produces God's strength in our lives. God's promises equal God's strength, right? So we, we, our whole frame of reference in life is our God's promises. The past is no longer our frame of reference. God's promises are. 
we see ourselves now in the light of what he's done for us through Christ. Let me say that again. I want you to, I want to to give you a new outlook. The past is no longer our frame of reference. The last 30 years are no longer our frame of reference. The last semester is no longer our frame of reference. God's promises are. So going forward now, our frame of reference, we now view ourselves and we view life now through the light of his promises. Very important. So these spirits of darkness are trying to keep you from experiencing his promises. They're trying to keep you from seeing things in the light of what Christ did for you. They want the past to be your frame of reference. They want you to rehearse the the failures or the mistakes that you've made. But that's not who we are, and that's not the Spirit of God leading us. God leads us forward, not backwards. Hallelujah. Now, how do these spirits do it? You remember? These spirits of darkness, what do they do? Well, they, they inject thoughts They introduce to us philosophies and ideas and thoughts that try and get us to believe things about God and about ourselves that aren't true. That's how they do it. And when I believe something about God that's not true or something about myself that's not true, my understanding and my vision becomes darkened. And I don't see as clearly as I should. What did Jesus say in John 14, 6? I am the way and the truth and the life. So we keep our eyes on Jesus so we can see clearly on who he is, what he's done for us, and who we are in Christ, who we are in him, right? And you can find that clearly in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. How how many started the Bible reading plan this past week? Yeah, yeah. We started at Matthew 1 last Monday, right? We read Matthew 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5. We'll read chapter 6 tomorrow. So if you're not on it, there's some back at the uh, info counter back there. Grab one, take it home with you. It's just a chapter a day, five days a week, Monday through Friday. So if you get behind, it's easy to catch up on. But we're going to read a great chapter tomorrow, Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 33. Very powerful. And one of those verses, I think it's 31 or 33 in the message says, steep your lives in God reality. God initiative and God provisions. That's what we're talking about now. Steeping our lives in Him. Immersing ourselves in who Jesus is, what He's done for us, and who we are in Him. And as we keep our eyes on Jesus, we're resisting the darkness. We resist those false thoughts, those doubts, those worries, those fears, those symptoms, those situations, those circumstances. We say no, right? Jesus is Lord of every circumstance and situation of my life. Hallelujah. So in 2016, we're letting the light of God's promises lead the way. We're not who we were in 2015. We're We're stronger now. We have a clearer vision. We have greater strength now. We have more glory now. We're we're accelerating. We're increasing. 
I was watching Reinhard Bonnke last night, and uh, I heard him say it again, and I like it. He said, I'm like a Boeing 747. At the end of the runway, I'm my fastest, right? I'm going my fastest speed because he had a son-in-law that was saying, you know, uh, when you get older, you're going to go slower, and I'm going to go faster. And he said, oh, no. He said, let me sit down. Let me tell you something. <laughs> he said, the closer I get to Jesus, the faster I go, right? And then when my time comes, I take off just like that plane, right? The plane doesn't slow down down the runway. It increases its speed, right? We go from glory to glory. That's opposite of what the world says. The world says the older you get, the slower you get. Don't you ever accept that. Don't you ever believe that. There's nothing Jesus about that. Nothing. Oh, boy. I just want to read a few scriptures to you. Well, I'm going to do it. Can I do that? Can you handle a few of these? They're doozies. Let's see here. So the light of God's promises forms our concept of aging, right? Let's see. Okay, now I'm going to read a few verses out of here. We're going to shed some light on growing older, all right? In Deuteronomy 34, 7, it said, And Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eye was not dim, 2020 vision nor his natural force abated. You study it out, it's very powerful. In other words, his strength was not lessened in any way. Now, he was under the old covenant. We're in the new covenant. We've got better promises, more power, more light. And in the Hebrew, it says his natural force, the Hebrew there could literally be translated his moisture had not lessened. He was fully lubricated. His skin was moist. His bones were flexible. Right? And his eye, his 20-20 vision, his eye was not dim. His moisture was not lessened. His, his strength had not fled. Joshua chapter 14, verse 11, Caleb was speaking, and he's 85 years old. 45 years ago in Caleb's life, God spoke to him. He spoke to the Israelites and told them to go and take the promised land, and Caleb said, let's go. But only him and Joshua said they could do it. The rest of the nation said, I can't, we can't do it. So they didn't, and Caleb stayed with God. He didn't let society change what he believed. He said to Moses at 85, as yet I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me. As my strength was then, 45 years ago when I was 40, even so is my strength now for a war both to go out and to come in. Therefore, give me this mountain. Job chapter 5, it's a great passage here. I'll just read to you verse 26. It's talking about um, those who trust in him. It says, you shall come to the grave in a full age, like a shock of corn cometh in in its season. When do they harvest the corn? When it's ripe and green and fresh, right? You will come to the grave in full vigor, the new NIV translation says, the new King James says, as a sheath, as a sheath of, of grain ripens in its season. Let's see here. Oh, this is good. This is uh, Job 33, verse 25. talks about when, when God gives to us a mediator and gives to us his righteousness through that mediator. It says, our flesh shall be fresher than a child's. 
he shall return to the days of his youth, those who trust in him. That's good. Let me, let me keep on going here. Psalm 92, verses 12 and following. The righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. They shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Verse 14, they shall, they shall bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be fat and flourishing. Another translation says they will stay fresh and green. Another one says they will remain vital and green. They are ever full of sap and green. They are healthy and green. They are luxuriant and green, those in old age. They are filled with vitality and have many leaves. The New English translation says, God's Word translation says, they shall bear fruit. They are always healthy and fresh. Different concept of aging, isn't it? Right? Like total opposite end of the spectrum. This is our reality, right? This is how we think. Don't, don't go to, the, word, to the, world, the world to get this advice. Always healthy, always flourishing. Man, there's a lot more, but we'll stop right there. So this is, that's the light of God's promises. Isn't that good? Yeah. Right? Always healthy, for full of vitality. You think that when you get up in the morning? I'm full of vitality. And I heard someone say, oh, when the weather gets cold or when, when, the, when it rains, I get an ache in my knee. Tell your knee to be whole. Don't, don't t- let your body tell you how you feel. Tell your body how you feel. Well, we've got to get into this word. It's so good today. Hallelujah. So if you're going to experience God's destiny for your life, there's, you, you need to realize the spiritual realities of life. And we talked about that. That there are, there's a spirit realm, and even though it's invisible, it's where the power is. It's where the answers are. In fact, Jesus said in John 4.24, he said, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. So if God is a spirit and you were made in his image, what does that make you? A spirit, yeah. The spirit realm is where you come from. Wow, isn't that cool? You're a spirit being. It's not hocus pocus. It's not a fairy tale. It's the truth, right? You're a spirit being. You're from the spirit realm. And Jesus said that's where the life and power is in John 6, 63. He says it's the spirit that quickeneth, that makes alive, that gives strength. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. So to fulfill our destiny, we walk in the spirit, not in the flesh. We walk in the Spirit. Our minds are stayed on the spiritual realities of who we are. And in our series, we went all the way back to the beginning. You remember? Before the darkness, before anything else ever was, Jesus is. And we saw that God in the beginning, that, that, that in the beginning was the Word, and that God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. So way back to the beginning, there was just Light, just life, just health, just strength, just wisdom, just clear vision. But darkness came in. And we learned when that darkness came in. It came in in that gap of time between verse 1 of Genesis 1 and verse 2. All right. So let's get back to where we were. 
So we saw that the, the devil rebelled. He was cast down from heaven to earth, and he laid waste to God's creation, to the earth. It became a, 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 a wilderness of ruin, one translation says. It became a chaotic place. The earth was covered in darkness, and, how, and we saw how God responded to that darkness. And what did God do? Do you remember how does God respond to the darkness? He speaks light. And we do the same thing today. Right? Any darkness that tries to enter our lives, we don't give it permission. We speak light. We speak who we are in Christ. God spoke who he was into the earth. That was the light in Genesis 1-3. It wasn't the sun. He didn't make the sun yet. He said, light be. Who I am, fill the earth. Right? It was his light that filled the earth. Hallelujah. So that's what we did. And then he did a second thing. He made beings in his image to shine with his light. That's you and me, right? So that really sums up the Great Commission, to speak the light and make disciples. And that's what we do. We, we, like Jesus said in Mark 16, think verse 15, go into all the world and preach the good news, preach light to every creature. And then in, in Matthew 28, make disciples of all nations. And what's a disciple of Christ? A new creation. Someone that's been taken out of darkness and brought into light, right? That's been born of his spirit. In fact, Philippians chapter 2, verse 14 says this, do all things without complaining and disputing. What does that have to do with light? Well, let's go on. Verse 15, that you may become blameless and harmless, children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. Look at this, among whom you shine as lights in the world. What causes us to shine? Next verse, holding fast the word of life. So we see a contrast here between uh, complaining and disputing and speaking the word of life, right? One produces darkness and one produces light. Complaining is devastating to your spiritual health, right? Regardless of what might be going on in your life, don't don't, uh, increase it. Don't give it the advantage by complaining about it. Speak light to it. All right? So, so instead of complaining or disputing and getting in arguments with people, we speak light. We hold fast the word of light. We hold fast to his promises and his light. You know, God's light shines through you when you're trusting in his promises for your life. His light shines through you when you believe that he's leading and guiding you. When you trust in the Lord with all your heart and you lean not on your own understanding and acknowledge him in all your ways, his light is shining through you everywhere you go. When you have confidence in who he is, his love for you and what he's done for you, his light is shining through you. Hallelujah. Okay, so let's get on to this. Now, we said when we ended our last message, that we were created for two reasons. Do you remember that? Do you remember the two reasons we said? Love and authority, right? We were created for two reasons, love and authority. Now, we know that 
that in six days God restored the earth to what he had initially created it as to the state it was in before the devil was cast down to it. And on the sixth day, he made us in his image. Okay, now, keep this in mind. Well, before we get into authority, let's talk about love. Let's look at 1 John chapter 4, verse 16. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. Not the disappointment, the love that God has for us. God equals love. For your algebra students, God is love. No difference between love and God. Now, sometimes we have a distorted view of love, but God is love, right? Verse 19, there is Zero fear in love. But perfect love, that's God, right? Casts out fear. Because fear involves torment. I think the NIV says fear has to do with punishment. Boy, does fear involve torment. Never cease to, I don't think it's failed once. When I've talked with someone who's dealing with depression, they begin to share the fears that they have. Fears of things not working out in their lives because fear brings torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. So what's the remedy to fear? What do you guys think? What's the remedy to fear? Love. Some people say faith. No, love. Love produces faith. Right? God's love is the antidote for fear. What do you mean? Knowing and believing in your heart today that God loves you now. And that he loves you so much he's taking care of you. Every detail of your life. That casts out fear. See how that works? So here I am on February 7, 2016, got a whole year ahead of me, but I'm believing today that the God of heaven and earth loves me so much that he's already gone ahead of me and he's working out every detail of my life. He loves me so much, he's ensured that I'm going to be victorious and come out ahead in 2016. What does that do? It dissipates fear in my life. Confidence in God's love for you. So God is love. You are made for this. So love made you in his own image. Well, how much does he love you? Well, let's look at uh, Romans 8.32. We want every trace of fear to go in your life. All right? He who did not spare his own son but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us a couple things every now and then? No, freely give us all things. Sounds like 2 Peter 1. Everything pertaining to life and godliness. 
What are we doing? We're just spending a few moments here refreshing ourselves in God's love for us. It's the primary reason you were created, to experience this all-encompassing, protecting, restoring, rejuvenating, life-changing love every day. It's a love that held nothing back. It's a love that gave everything he could give, and he did it because he loves you. Now 1 John 4, 19. So we love him because he first loved us. Isn't that good? Hollywood did not invent love, right? Man did not come up with love. Cupid did not come up with love. Cupid's not love. God is love, right? The little chubby guy with an arrow. Uh-uh. He's actually not real. You know that, don't you? But God is love. And he made us in his image. And, it, you know, it's good to take note from John. And he wrote the book of John. And he wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And he wrote Revelation. But in his gospel, he referred to himself how? Do you guys know? When he was talking about himself, he used this phrase, John. What did he say? Yeah, the disciple whom Jesus loved. <laughs> was that arrogant of him? No, it wasn't it true. Wasn't he the disciple whom Jesus loved? Was Peter the disciple Jesus loved? Yeah. What about James? Yeah. But John made a point to grow in that love, to know that for himself. And that's the difference. You've got to know you're the one Jesus loves. You are the one Jesus loves. You should say that about yourself. I'm the one Jesus loves. I'm the one Jesus loves. Oh, no, no, devil. I'm the one Jesus loves. It's me. Only me. Just me. I'm his own. He's mine. He's the one who loves me. He cares for me. He loves me. Everything he does is motivated by love. Isn't that great? Good to keep that in mind when you're reading the Scriptures. Everything he does is motivated by love. He can't do anything apart from love. That's who he is. It's who he's always been. It's who he always will be. It's just good to have that cemented in your heart, in the foundation of your thinking about him. He is love all the time, 24-7. All right. So number one reason that you're made, number one reason you're on this earth to experience his love and to give his love, right? It's an all-out, everything, love. Now, the next reason that we said was authority. And I think probably this is one of the Bible subjects that has a great deal of fog around it. So what are we talking about authority? Because I, I don't know if we, I kind of grew up in a home where there was a, uh, where you got, it was an authority that knocked you out. You know, that's the kind of authority that I became familiar with. And then, you know, you see all kinds of crazy examples of authority in the world, uh, dictators and so you think of authority and you think, what do I want to do with that? You know? But actually, God's authority is like his love. It, it, it restores you. It strengthens you. It lifts you up. 
Okay, so we don't want to think of the wrong version of authority. We want to think of love's authority, all right? So we were made to experience God's love and to give his love, and we were made to be under his authority and to walk in his authority, all right? But we're going to see it's not an oppressive thing. It's an uplifting, edifying thing. So important to understand. So when God restored the earth in Genesis chapter 1, were Satan and his, and his demons, were they still in the earth? Or did they leave? They were still there. We see that in chapter 3. Did God know they were still there? Or were they hiding behind a bush somewhere and he missed them? Of course he knew. But they had no authority at this point because God had spoken. So they couldn't do anything. He, came, he began to speak in verse 3, and he kept speaking, and they were done, right? They had no authority in the earth. And then God did something that was unparalleled. Love made beings in his image, and then he gave them his authority. So let's take a look at this. Let's go, let's see here. Yeah, let's go back to Genesis chapter 1. So God realized that the devil and his angels were still there, and he knew that they weren't going to, uh, you know, just all of a sudden say, we're sorry, and we're never going to do that again, God, right? He knew they had completely given themselves to darkness, and they were never coming back. So he, he made man for not only to experience his love, but to be an authority on the earth over darkness. That means you, Right? So God made Adam and Eve, you and me, as spirit beings, spirits in his image. But I want you to notice, we're going to read this here in a little bit. But God made Adam's body of the earth. The same material that he would give Adam authority over. You have authority over your body. See? Adam was a spirit, but you'll see in Genesis that he made his body out of the material of the earth. So there's two reasons that. First of all, he gave Adam authority over his body, but also we have a God who understands what we're made of. Right? Doesn't Hebrews tell us that in chapter 4, that we serve a high priest who understands what we're going through? And because we know that he understands what we're going through, we can come to him day and night with boldness and confidence before his throne of grace and receive the mercy and receive what we need to help us. So here's this spirit being made in the image of God, but unlike God's body, his body now is made of the earth. Wow. There are two legitimate ways of receiving. Hank, so you're still in Genesis 1, right? Stay there. I want to get this in before we read it. So there are two legitimate ways of receiving authority, basically. One, it can be conferred upon you, right, or given to you, or you can inherit it by birth, right? So a king's son, for example, inherits the king's authority because he's his son. He's born of him. Well, Adam and Eve had it both ways. They were born of God, and they, he conferred his authority on them as well. All right, so let's take a look at verse 26 in Genesis chapter 1. And God said, let us make man 
in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion. Now keep in mind, it says our here, right? That's plural. Why does it say our? How many gods do we serve? One. One God. Didn't Jesus say that here, O Israel? The Lord our God is one Lord. We have one God in three persons. All right? That's not a Western concept. That's not an American thing. That's who he is. He's one God. He's God Almighty. He's the Alpha. He's the Omega. And he's in three persons. He's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And sometimes man's natural mind tries to figure that out, and they tilt and say, ah, but that's just who he is. Sometimes it's just good to accept God for who he is and let him be God in your life and not try and figure it out, right? So this is who he is, and he says, let them, that's you and me, have dominion. Let's say that word together, dominion. Remember that word. Dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. How did Satan come to Adam and Eve in what form? A creeping thing, right? God gave them authority over him before he ever came, right? So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. He's love, right? He's light. Male and female created he them. Aren't you thankful for that? Aren't we glad? We're so glad that God made male and female. That wasn't our idea. We didn't decide there should be male and female. Let me ask you a question. Who's more important, males or females? Men or women? I heard both answers, I think. Can I give you the real answer? They're equal, equally important, as far as God is concerned, and as far as we're concerned, Highway Church, right? Well, did, woman was made from man's body, but guess what? Man is born of woman, right? They're equal in terms of significance and importance, but they are different, Right? And what the world tries to do in order to try, and to try and achieve equality or experience equality, they try and ignore and erase differences. And they miss it. We enjoy and experience equality not by erasing or ignoring our differences, but by appreciating them. I appreciate the differences in my wife. I'm so thankful she's a woman. Right? We appreciate the value of men and women. Because we are different. We don't ignore that or try and pretend that's not there. That's weird. Right? We are who God made us to be, and we appreciate that. And we're thankful for that. Right? That's where the strength comes in. When you appreciate what he's done and don't ignore it. Verse 28, and God blessed them and said unto them, be fruitful, just like light be, right? And multiply and replenish. Let's say that word, replenish the earth and subdue it. Let's say that, subdue it and have dominion. There's that word again over the, it seems like God has an agenda here, right? God's not tricky. He reveals his plan and purpose. So dominion, replenish, subdue 
over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. Now, are you ready for this? The word dominion, the dominion that God gave you. Can I tell you what that word means? If you can look it up in a dictionary, the word dominion means sovereignty. Control of. God gave you sovereignty over the earth. Now, there are some ministers and Christians of the body of Christ would be really mad right now for me saying that. They say only God is sovereign. And I understand what they, they're trying to say, but they're mistaken in, in, in the, the way they're thinking. God is sovereign. No doubt about that. We don't dispute that in any way, shape, or form. There's only one God. There's only one who has no beginning. He is Adonai Jehovah, the sovereign Lord, right? And in his sovereignty, he made, not us, he made a sovereign decision to give us sovereignty over the earth. And he never took it back. Very important to understand that. It answers a ton of questions. Ton. In fact, that word dominion, if you trace it back to the Latin, dominium comes from dominus, which means Lord and Master. God made us Lord and Master over the earth and over the darkness. Do you see yourself? in that way. So many cower when darkness speaks instead of taking authority over it. So many cower when a symptom shoots through their body. Your body's made of the earth. You have authority over it. Take it. Make your body be whole. Boy, there's some powerful stuff here. We're going to have to go for it. You all right? I'm watching the time. So God in his sovereignty gave us sovereignty over the earth. Not over him, over the earth. And over all the creepings, the darkness, right? So, as I've been in, walking with Christ and learning about this and watching the body of Christ operate in the earth, there's a lot of Christians who don't realize the authority they've been given. And I, I think we said it last week, it's kind of like um, a police officer who's been given authority to direct traffic, but goes out into the middle of an intersection in Bermuda shorts and a Hawaiian shirt with flip-flops on and a, and a big straw hat, you know. And what are people going to do? They're going to honk their horns. Like, what in the world is this guy doing in the middle of the road? Get out of the way. But he has the authority Right? He's, he's been conferred, it's been conferred upon him by the state or whoever conferred it upon him. But he's not wearing it, right? So if he, if he puts on his authority, if he puts on his badge, he puts on his uniform, and then walks out into the middle of the intersection, people aren't going to say, hey, get out of the road. What do we do? We slow down, right? We see that uniform. We see that. And already our foot goes from the gas to the brake. Isn't that funny when you're on the highway? Like, Why are people slowing down? 
And all of a sudden, you know, they drop from like doing 72 to 60, right? And speed limit 65, so they figure they're going to drive five miles below when the police are around, right? I've never done that, right? <laughs> but we slow down when we see authority, right? We, we, we recognize that. Have you put on your authority? Are you a Bermuda shorts Christian? Or are you walking in the authority of Christ? Nothing wrong with Bermuda shorts, but do you know who you are? Or it could be like this. You've got your uniform on, but you're afraid to use it. What would it look like if a policeman walked out in the middle of an intersection and he'd go, ooh, 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 ah, ooh. You know, he, well, we, people, we, what's going on, right? We, everyone would be confused, right? Well, that, so you could be like that. But we want you in 2016 to walk in your authority. Step in the middle of the intersection and make up your mind what has to stop and what needs to go in your life. Sickness needs to stop in my life. Health from now on. Confusion needs to stop in my life. Depression, discouragement, fear, lack, stop. Abundance, go, come, right? You've got the right of way, right? God's provision, all that God's provided for me in Christ, you can come. You come, you've got the green light, right? Discouragement, fear, worry, red light, can't go. Stay right there, go no further, right? We've got this authority to take authority over our circumstances and over our lives. And this is, again, a very, there's a great deal of fog around this in the body of Christ. People think you're making up some kind of strange New Age doctrine. But boy, do we see this in the ministry of Jesus. Okay, I'm going to try and squeeze it in and then we're going to be done. Matthew chapter 9. Here's the one of, I mean, there's many examples in the ministry of Jesus but I'm going to give you this one, and then we'll wind it up. So Matthew chapter 9, we're going to start in verse 1. I'll just scan through it here. Jesus gets into a boat. He crosses over. He comes to his own city. And behold, they bring to him a paralytic lying on a bed. Man can't walk, right? Jesus, seeing their faith, hey, they, they picked up their friend. They put him on a mat, and they brought him to Jesus. They had to have faith to do that, right? Because they believed it was going to be different when he met Jesus. He said, take courage, my son. Your sins are forgiven. Whoa. Now look what happens here to the, some of the religious folks. Behold, some of the scribes said to themselves, this fellow blasphemes. Well, who are scribes? Experts in the scriptures, right? Jesus said to them at one point, I think it was back in John 5, he said, you search the scriptures, you study them diligently because you think that in them you, they give you life, but they're, they're pointing to me. Right? God's not a book. He's a living being. So we study the scriptures to know the living one. Right? Verse 4, Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, why are you thinking evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say your sins are forgiven or to say rise and walk? But in order that you may know, he wants them to know personally, that the son of who? You know how many times this, this phrase shows up in Jesus' ministry? It's like 80 times. The son of man, the son of man, the son of man. Why does he call himself the son of man? Because God has given sovereignty to man over the earth. 
Jesus came as a man. He was born in the womb of a woman. See, after God, Adam and Eve were the only full-grown adults that God ever made. When he made them, they were full-grown, fully mature, had full cognitive reasoning, could speak fluently on day one. They were the only ones like that. But God put inside of them a reproductive system. Remember replenish? Right? A male and a female reproductive system so they could reproduce more of them. But every human being after them would have to be born in a womb and come into the earth in that way. God set that up. So in order for Jesus to redeem you, he had to come into the earth through the womb of a woman because God set it up that way. He couldn't just step off his throne, step down into the earth as almighty God and pow, redeem us because God in his sovereignty established a system back in Genesis of how man was to come into the earth. Very important. So Jesus said that you may know that the Son of Man has authority. So he's not wanting them to pay homage to him. He's wanting them to realize the authority they have. The Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Didn't Jesus say that? If you forgive uh, someone else's sins, they'll be forgiven. To forgive sins. Then he said to the paralytic, Rise, take up your bed, and go home. And the man rose and went home. Here's the verse. Are you ready? Let's put that up there. Last, was it, verse 8. But when the multitude saw this, they were filled with awe and glorified God who gave this authority to who? who gave such authority to men. Authority to speak to a paralytic and he gets up, yes. Authority to forgive, yes. This is Bible. This is who you are in here. Hallelujah. We're out of time. We'll pick up here next Sunday. Father, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for the light that's, that's changing things right now. Right now. We see ourselves in the light of your love and in the light of your authority. Your authority heals paralytics. Your authority makes new and strengthens. Your authority sets free and lifts up. Holy Spirit, teach us more about your love and authority this week. That we would stand in the intersection of our lives and direct traffic and let who you are enter every area of our lives and stop darkness from operating. In Jesus' name, amen. At Highway Church, we want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and experience the abundant life He came to give you. If you'd like to learn more about God's amazing love for you, please visit us at highwaychurch.us. You can email us at info at highwaychurch.us or message us via our Facebook page. Put your trust in Jesus today. 
and taste and see how good he is.